RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online strength and conditioning program for rugby. Are you ready to get bigger, stronger, fitter, and faster and dominate your opposition? Welcome to the Rugby Renegade Podcast, where we build machines. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Pro Athlete Supplementation. Check them out at pas-nutrition.co.uk for all your supplementation needs. And don't forget that subscribers to the Rugby Renegade program get a 40% discount on retail prices. Yeah, this is episode 43 of the Rugby Renegade podcast. My name's Jamie Bain and today I interview Fergus Connolly, elite performance sports scientist and author of the book Game Changer. Uh... Great to speak with Fergus. Um, he literally messaged him, and then literally an hour later, we were on the phone on over Skype uh, and chatting about sports science and the future of it. Some really good insights and some great advice for coaches. Um, particularly, you know, we always ask um, what's advice you give to upcoming strength coaches. Something that's very different to what we normally hear, but really, really good advice. Um, so, as always, guys, give us a listen and let us know what you think. Hi Fergus, welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast, great to have you on. Why don't we start by you just telling us a little bit about your background, um, you know, what teams you've worked with and how you got into your sports science role. Uh, good morning Jimmy, thanks for, thanks for having me. I, um, wow, yeah, that's a, that's a long question. I'll give you the short version. Uh, most recently I was with the University of Michigan with the football team. I'll work backwards and uh, I've just set up a consultancy company to um you know to advise teams coaches sports scientists um uh just based on my experience which you know i've been fortunate to work with uh you know in the states teams like the san francisco 49ers um you know Atlanta falcons jaguars a uh, number of other teams and uh and then also in rugby with the welsh national team consulted for some other teams as well and I started originally in soccer with Bolton Wanderers. Uh, worked with Liverpool, with Blackburn Rovers, a um, number of other teams. So I've been fortunate to work with um, some great coaches, some great teams, and um, you know, it's really been a, you know, I, I freely admit that it's it's really my passion, my hobby, and it's not really work for me. So um, I've just been fortunate to to. Um, to, to start and particularly start at a time when you know sports science and more and more information was becoming available um, and so been somewhat of um, a pioneer by accident if you will uh, I wouldn't I'm not claiming a title but it's just I, I came into the industry at a time when there was just a flood of technology a flood of information and um, it was like a being a kid in a, in a candy store so um, it's been a it's been a fascinating journey. Yeah, some some great teams there, and and like I say, it's great to be able to to work in something you enjoy so much, and it doesn't feel like work, so to speak. So um, let, let's get straight into your um, your book. Um, which how long has that been out now? Uh, Game changer. Tell us a bit about that and kind of why why you wrote it and and the, the kind of key messages. Well, when my uh, my first job really was with, uh, and you had the you had the guy on uh, a little while ago, Craig White. Um, who, in my opinion, is one of the best performance directors and pioneers in the industry. He was he was a huge influence on me, not just professionally but personally. He was the you know the closest that I've had to an older brother. Actually, he um, Craig had wonderful success at Leicester and at Wasps. And um, when I came into the 
to to rugby with the Welsh national team, he had just been appointed, and he wanted someone to help him, you know, from a sports science perspective. And I had known Craig for years, so you know, I started as the first full time sports scientist in international sport at the time, and it was it was like um, it it was really really smart of of Craig to see um, you know to, to to foresee how the industry was going to change, and that's almost twenty years ago. And, you know, at that time coming through, um, like I said, this was a hobby to me. And at this stage, I wanted to write a book. I wanted to write, write the book that I was searching for at that time because I was trying to help Craig, you know, improve, you know, a rugby team or um, to win games. And for me to find that answer, I had to read and study so many different books uh, academic papers, research papers, talk to people. And there wasn't one single resource that I could go to to start with. Um, you can't fit everything into one book, and Game Changer doesn't do that. But it was an attempt to give um, you know, young, the young Fergus coming through a starting point um, and to present the ideas that, you know, that I've been fortunate to learn to give people um, a breadth of experience as well or a breadth of sources so, um, you know, from all of the different industries and also to make, you know, for example, the rugby coach, the young rugby strength coach or the, the rugby head coach aware of where else they can go to get inspiration and ideas from. So it's really, if you will, it's a, it's, it's a book to help people start and then to develop their own philosophy from there. Yeah, that's great. Great motivation for it there. Um, now, I've seen a few things on social media you've posted recently and they're kind of um, targeted at, at coaches so was it also in mind for, for actual sports coaches as well kind of information to help them use the sports science yeah absolutely because um, one of the things that has happened you know is that there's been an explosion in backroom teams everywhere in every sport um, and as a result in order to manage them you know there are more and more silos and the understanding of what a sports scientist does or what a strength coach does has actually become a bit diluted um, you know, the first rugby coaches, you know, even, uh, you know, Clive Woodward, Warren Gatlin, Joe Schmidt, uh, Declan Kidney, all of these guys, Eddie Jones, they were all teachers originally. And when they started coaching, it was maybe themselves, themselves and one or two others. And maybe they got a local, um, you know, retired, uh, army guy or whatever soldier to help train the team. That's, and that's not that long ago, you know, it's not that long mm -hmm. ago that all those coaches I listed were, were in classrooms. And there's been a sudden explosion. So, the, you know, it helps both strength and conditioning sports science to understand where the coaches are coming from. And it really helps coaches then to understand more and more about what sports science and strength and conditioning are doing so that they can communicate, relate to each other, and essentially optimize performance rather than maximize. You know, there's a, there's a big, big difference. And um, I think there's also... Uh, a threat to the strength and conditioning community that if we don't really understand and understand better what coaches are trying to do, um, you know, we pigeonhole hole ourselves into into an area where we're not as um, we are not as effective or as valuable to coaches, and we just need to be aware of that. I think for the future. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. It's um, one of the things you said earlier is that communication and and sometimes if you're not on the same page like 
I could say speed to a coach and they can think of something completely different to what I'm thinking about, if you know what I mean. So it's kind of having that that same uh, language that people buy into and understand and everyone's on the same page. Is that right? Absolutely. Like, I mean, I've, um, I give this example in, you know, in some of the talks that, that I've given. You know, you can talk to the position coach and he might say, you know, I want, uh, you know, I want pop or I want, as one of the coaches uh, you say to me, I want twitch, and he's talking about, you know, what a strength coach would refer to as starting strength, like just pure explosion. You talk to the head coach, and he's saying, I want fast feet. You talk to a sports scientist, and he'll give you, you know, a very technical uh, answer, you know, speed, strength, or sp- strength, speed. We're all talking about the same thing, and the only way that this can be clarified is actually by watching film together as a group, and you don't do that in rugby. They're, sorry, I shouldn't say you don't, but very few coaches do. The good coaches, the good strength coaches, sports scientists and rugby coaches, uh, skill coaches or whatever the sport is, do sit around and watch film together so that they understand and that that word, whether it's twitch, spark, whatever you want to call it, there's a clear understanding of what that is and then you go fix it. And the other thing that's important is that it's that you identify the outcome that you are looking for or the failure to achieve it and clearly identify whether or not it's a technical tactical, you know, a largely coaching solution or it's a physical solution because it could be either. It might appear to be that the player was slow, but it's actually a failure on the coach's part to help uh, put the player in the right position or to have to develop their game sense. So that is where the greatest room for improvement is in in many rugby teams yeah definitely uh, and, and i guess also uh, you said the snc and sports science in rugby especially is very young and i think in the early days young sncs kind of take what they can from different you know from track uh, coaches and things like that um and tr- almost try and make a, a hybrid um, powerlifting speed program when it's not kind mm-hmm. of perfectly for rugby and I think that's where kind of coaches over the years are a bit apprehensive of, of us doing that whereas now we're getting to the stage because of people like yourself of actually building a program based for the sport itself as opposed to a hodgepodge of you know all these different training modalities um, but I think that's something that coaches need to kind of learn more about and buy into more for, for that that relationship to be better does that make sense? Yeah I think um, I, so I've, I'm finishing a, a book called 59 Lessons, which is, um, it's a, it's a list or an example of 59 different lessons I learned from people like Mark Bennett, Craig, you know, Gats, Sean Edwards, you know, and from a rugby perspective, Conor O'Shea. And one of the lessons is why, why, why? In other words, when you go to learn from, you know, Westside or you go to learn from Louis Simmons or you go to learn from Charlie Francis, Dan Path, um, and you see them do something, whether it's tempo runs, whether, you know, it's uh, accessory auxiliary workouts, the question you have to ask is why? Why are they doing it? Then why are they doing it? And then why are they doing it? Until you get back to the principle, the global principle, and understand that. When you understand why, for example, Charlie Francis does tempo runs and you get to the source of it, then you can adapt it rather than what a lot of people do is they just copy the technique. 
say tempo runs and just apply it or they take a max max effort day from louis simmons and they just copy the technique without when you understand the principle then you can adapt the principle um to your technique and that's the secret to good programs and when you just go and skim the top of um you know what different people do you're not really understanding uh what it is that they do so particularly if you're trying to improve max strength or you're trying to improve speed get to the source um and then you can adapt your your program and i think that's something that you know as the industry has grown over the last few years i think people are getting better and better at understanding yeah definitely so some of those those things you put on social media do you want to talk about maybe one or two of those the, the kind of um uh, advice for the coaches and one of the ones i saw was about um volume and intensity for example yeah so um one of the things that and this is i guess a piece of advice for you know sports scientists and coaches coming through is that um you know, if if you if you look at the omega symbol, um, basically you you're traveling along on a pathway. We all go off and and you know diverge, and we we um, go and we learn all these different things, and then we come back to pretty much where we started, and we implement what we learned. One of the things that um, I've focused on, particularly in the last few years, is trying to simplify the message to coaches so that we can have a common language and a common system of communication. Um, the, the system that, that, that I've used over the last few years is volume, intensity, density, and contact or collision. And you always start, before you go to the, those four things, just start with volume and intensity and help the coaches understand that if we keep things, if we use this simple model of volume and intensity and that we can only have one high or the other high, now you can start to, to schedule over the week. You can say to the coach, do you want a high volume day, low intensity, or do you want a, uh, a low volume, high intensity day? And when he understands what that means for him, then you can match the strength and conditioning. And you can also match the recovery specific to that. So now we have a, we have a very simple system in place for communication. And you can now use just those two metrics in your GPS, your monitoring, your heart rate variability, and all these other things you use, you can use them to fit into this simple model of volume and intensity. You know, people would say, well, that's too simplified. Yeah, it is, but it works, <laughs> as opposed to a very complex system that doesn't. So you can start with that, and then you can build in the concept of density, which is essentially just work-to-rest ratio, and then collision and contact, which obviously in rugby is a, is a huge factor. So start with the, that as your simple model for communication, and then you can start to build the complexity out. Yeah, and, and definitely, again, it's the, the, the language is important there because and it, it might take a while for those coaches to, to really understand. Sometimes you, you tell them you think it got it got it down, but from experience, it takes a while of you know re-educating and, and constantly kind of work on that language for them to fully understand it. That's, that's my experience anyway. Yeah, um, and what, sorry, just on the last part, what I, what I do with, with that is with, with the coaches, I, I always use the word intensity and quality together, and I use quantity and volume together so that in their, their language, they, they start to focus more on quality of execution because that's very, very closely related to the nervous system fatigue that Charlie would talk about or the, the demands on the nervous system to execute, whether it's a skill, uh, a drill, a, a small-sided game, that's what you really want them to understand. So 
the intensity is a language that we use. Quality is the word, the language that you really want them to use. Yeah. Um, so, and that's that's the key thing because at the end of the day, um, you win your game based on the quality of execution, not how many times you do it. Yeah. You just have to do it once very, very well. Yeah, definitely. No, that's a great, great little tip there using that language. Um, now, this is something you've heard a few players, maybe even coaches, say um, recently or, or not not too long ago. And the kind of sports science is making young young athletes weak. You you may have heard things like this. Um, you know, ex players coming out and saying, "Oh, we're kind of wrapping athletes in cotton wool." You know, looking at the, you know, they're running too much, so there's risk of injury and that type of thing. What, what's your um, sort of comeback to that? They're right. They're absolutely right. I think that I think that um, many sports scientists and you know we as a community have to acknowledge that when we got our GPS initially, and I made this mistake at the start, we thought that players who were you know above the, the you know in the red zone, this mythical red zone, that this was dangerous and they were going to get injured. In reality, we didn't know um, what the red zone was. So um, you know we had what we thought were the limits. Uh, that players had had to achieve, and we had all kinds of formulas, but we were really trying to to guess and find. So the GPS or sports science, it's very very important to understand this point. It does not answer any questions. It only provides a starting point to allow you ask better questions. So it doesn't sports science doesn't give you answers. It just allows you ask better questions, and we have to be very very careful. One of the mistakes as well that you know many have made is that they draw conclusions from incredibly small sample sizes. You know, I don't care if you've got three or four years worth of data. The training programs have changed so much over the years. Like, do you really have a large data set um, to draw you know concrete conclusions from? I think we have to be very, very careful with that. So, using the 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 information intelligently um, is the first starting point. Um, and I think, you know, one of the first things that you have to do is to use, you can't use averages and you can't use position specific data. Um, you have to individualize the data, um, and, and look from variations from the norm for that particular player, because you can have two, you can have two players play the exact same position, but achieve, uh, similar outcomes, but one relying largely on tactical technical ability and one player is just a physical stud. You see it in, in elite military units the same way. So we, I think we as an industry jumped ahead of uh, ourselves and made recommendations to coaches a little bit too soon without understanding the context of, of the data. So, you know, I always refer to the coaches, even, you know, like I said, almost 20 years in the business, I provide um, you know, information and we draw conclusions from it as a group. But you can't allow um, you know, the, these uh, pieces of data to drive you know, what is a people business, which we don't fully understand yet. Mm. Yeah, because one, one of the, I guess, mistakes I've seen young sports scientists make in the past when they're you know, new into the position is coming out and saying, oh, this data says they're definitely going to get injured. And, you know, you can never say maybe they're at a greater risk, but, you know, sometimes you've Correct. got you've yeah. got those athletes and, and you'll know you'll have those athletes in your squad who, you know, will be able to tolerate a lot more than other people. And it's um, you can never say, yeah, they're going to get injured. And I think that's what the, the big mistake I think some young sports, sports scientists make is kind of trying to 
almost trying to justify their position and say this is what it is but it, it's like you say it's never it's, it's information but it's never sort of set in stone absolutely and i know like i mean i, I know of instances where um you know guys have set have lost their job over making you know you know predictions that that you know the team's going to lose a game based on readings on various pieces of technology so it's it's a real risk um but it, that's as a result of failure to understand how complex the athlete is and the other point is that the higher up you go in terms of professional or performance the greater the ability of that athlete to draw on all of their functional reserves to achieve a physical performance. In other words, to surprise you based on, you know, and that's why you see, you know, a LeBron James or a Steph Curry or a Kevin Durant pull out wonderful performances even when they're exhausted. Um, and that is the ability, that's, that is essentially what an elite athlete is perfecting, you know, year after year, that, that ability to draw on all of those reserves um, to push the limits of, of uh um, of human ability and again you see that in in times of of severe stress um, when when humans are under um, extreme stress what they can actually do yeah yeah definitely now this is a question we we ask all the guests on the podcast and it's uh, what do you think is the biggest mistake rugby players make when it comes to strength and conditioning oh <laughs> <laughs> i think um I think when it comes to strength and conditioning, um, I think possibly it's just it's overvaluing its place. And that's not to say that um, it's not important. Strength and conditioning is vital, but the the focus needs to be on the quality of each repetition as opposed to the quantity. And I think it's that understanding that there is a limited amount of time that you should devote to it. And I think, um, I think sometimes I, th I think strength and conditioning coaches can help this a lot by emphasizing to the players that treat the weight room like the field in a game scenario. You have a limited amount of time. Every single rep must be of uh, perfect quality in order because you only get one shot at this. So maximize every single effort. And as a result, your ability to perform improves, as opposed to spending, you know, stretching out the weightlifting session. It's 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 as much a mindset as it is a functional, uh, a, 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 a functional um, improvement to be made. Yeah, no, I like that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pinch that off you and try and use that. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just because it, it's incredibly important when it comes to executing in a game. You know that we we understand. Um, you know, I, I and I, I learned this from, you know, from from the military, having a conversation with, um, with a senior operator, and you know, I was saying to him, look, there's there are two big differences. We were sharing um, learning lessons, and you know, I said there's two big differences. One is we know when our games are, so we can plan, we can you know, mini periodize. Uh, you don't, so you have to be in a state of readiness. And I said, the second one is we get a second chance, and you know that is our to in, to some extent that is a disadvantage for us because we believe that we can continually repeat. Changing the focus to have as few an opportunities as possible really improves the quality of every single repetition um, for, for the for the athlete. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. No, some good points there. Um, now, where do you see, or how, how do you see sports science kind of developing? Like it's, it's, it's still, you know, relatively young or, you know, in its infancy. Um, I think for, you know, a good few years, a lot of clubs and teams have been getting all this data and trying to figure out how to use it and, and starting to, you know, find better ways of using it. How do you see it progressing from here? I think that, um, I think that as, and this is a generalization, I think that sports science and strength and conditioning um, are being exposed to a certain a threat at this point in time. Um, and it's that we have begun to, to specialize so much. So if you take things like, you know, velocity-based training or GPS or HRV or any of these things, um, there is a point to which your specialization um, you know, starts to diminish its effect on the result. So I think, change, you know, there's a certain level of specialization and detail that you must reach. And after that, then you really need to focus on the breadth of knowledge and your ability to communicate across the different silos that currently exist. So the strength, so the sports scientist's ability to communicate, uh, to translate knowledge, uh, to understand how to integrate all of the various pieces, the, the strength coaches ability to understand more what the rugby coach is doing that's where the biggest gains are to be made at this point in time um so um you know if you find yourself getting caught up in the detail of you know velocity based training or, or whatever you know or whatever it might be just take a step back and ask yourself have i got all of these other areas covered as well um you know I, i'll never forget a, a nutritionist having a conversation with a, a rugby player years ago about the difference between chicken and turkey in terms of which was leaner and you know afterwards we sat down and we you know we had a longer conversation about you know why was there um, Gatorade in the fridges you know for all of the players and meanwhile he's having a very detailed conversation about you know something as irrelevant as chicken or turkey the choice to make um, so it's it's having that, um, you know, it was a, a quote from Charlie Francis, you know, yeah, the, the operation was a success, but the patient died. Um, <laughs> at, at, at the end of the day, whether you're a sports scientist or strength coach, you're going to have a, a good career if your team wins. So n never lose sight of the fact that, that you're there to contribute to the success of the team and make sure that, you know, I always use the phrase, we got to make sure there's water on the bus before we worry about lots of other details. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. And just to use velocity-based training as an example again, um, obviously it, it's very effective and, and a good tool to use. But you know, you don't need to know everything about it. You just need to be able to use it well enough to improve the performance of your players. And and you know, that's ultimately why you're doing it. So you don't have to, you know, try and impress some of these new types of things if it's not getting you that improvement in performance that you'll see will affect the, the game. If that makes sense. Um, Absolutely, and I, and it's not. Again, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not critical of sports science. I'm not critical of strength and conditioning coaches. I'm just trying to raise an awareness that um, you know we, we as an industry just need to be a little bit. We need to just you know take a step back and realize that if we become too specialized, we actually can become extinct, um, or there's a threat that we're not as important. So we we just need to to um, round our ability to impact the, the, the games that we love, whether it's soccer, rugby, or whatever it is. Yeah. 
Uh, now, next question. You, I mean, you've obviously just given some really good advice there, but what advice would you give to an upcoming strength coach? Um, if I was, uh, I, I would, in your next contract, ask for uh, whatever the figure is, a small figure for continuous professional development, continuous professional development training, whatever it might be, five hundred bucks or whatever it is and spend all that money on a sales course. Go and find a sales course and go and go and spend time doing a sales course. You'll be completely out of your comfort zone. But the ability to sell to someone is essentially the ability to gain trust and to communicate. This is a people business. If you can't communicate with someone of varying level, like you mean, so if you take a salesperson who wants to sell, sell a car or sell, I don't know, sell you a kitchen, God knows what, you, you're going to meet you're going to meet lots of different people that you don't like, but your job is to sell something to them. So you've got to gain their trust. You've got to find out what they look for. You you need to be able to communicate with them, and you need to be able to present something that you have in a manner that appeals to them. Doesn't that sound a bit like strength and conditioning? And particularly the way that you know society has changed, the kids that are coming through now. Um, you know, your ability to communicate with this younger generation is really you have to sell to get them to buy in. We all talk about buy in, but nobody quite knows what it means. Well, take a small sum of money and invest it in doing a sales course. And and it will just open your eyes. Don't, you know, go and find something that's completely out of your comfort zone because you don't have any uh, preconceived biases. It will, out of your comfort zone. It, it will make you a better strength coach because you will understand the importance of communication, trust and buy in. No, I think that's that's brilliant advice, and uh, like you could have you know the best strength conditioning program in the world, but if you don't get buying from the players, it's not going to be as effective. Um, and also, we've we've had a few guests on the podcast in the past who've who've gone into different business ventures and things like that, and have said similar things that you know business ultimately is is dealing with people, and and mm. rug, rugby and sport is you know that's huge. It's a, it's a people business, so you need to you need to have those skills of communication and. And and you know it's like say dealing with coaches. Sometimes you've got to sell them on what you're trying to do, um, and get them to yeah. buy into it. It's it's not just you know you can't expect to come away with you know a degree, a master's degree, and then just go they'll you know they'll love everything you say. You've you've got to win them over. Um, so that's that's brilliant advice, and yeah, echoed by some of the previous guests we've had. Well, if you take so apart from doing that, if you go and spend time with Craig White or Mark Bennett, like I mean, I think Mark Bennett's one of the best strength coaches I've ever been around and he his apart from his knowledge in the area his pragmatism is one of the most important skills that a strength coach can learn like I mean he has a, a wonderful ability to keep in mind what the outcome is the global outcome which is to be a better rugby player and then to understand you know how important the weight room is to that um, and it's being pragmatic and understanding so he clearly understands that you know when to tweak a program to make sure that the player still buys into it and still can can learn from it. And many many years ago, um, I will never forget at a conference. Um, you know, it was after a three day seminar and Charles Poliquin was speaking. And after three days of presenting different weight training programs, somebody put their hand up at the back of the room and said, "Okay, Charles, we'll look at after all these different programs you've shown us, which is the best one?" And Charles just looked down and answered the one the player will do. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good your program is, if the player won't do it, it's irrelevant. Yeah. 
No, definitely. That's some some great advice there. Thank you for that. Uh, lastly, Fergus, where can people learn more about yourself? Um, I've got a new website uh, being launched, FergusConley.com, and um, Game Changer is is on Amazon. And uh, Fifty Nine Lessons will be out hopefully um, later this summer. And I, I think that um, like Game Changer, like I said, that was my way to for the next generation of sports scientists coming through to help you know give them some direction so that they can be you know really have an impact in the game and 59 lessons is a way to say thank you to you know so many different people you know whether it's charlie francis dan path um you know eddie jones uh, all these different coaches mark bennett and craig that you've had on um you know to share the lessons that i've learned from them for the next generation coming through because i've been very very fortunate just a just purely through timing, you know, to get to spend time with people like Ashley Jones and Canterbury Crusaders and uh, Robbie Deans and people like that. And there are just so many lessons that I think can save people so much time. Um, and I think we all have a duty as well to, you know, to say thank you to the to the generations that have gone before us because we were very, very fortunate to be able to pull on a tracksuit in the morning and go in and work with with athletes, you know, I mean, there are a lot tougher jobs out there. So, um, you know, I, I hope that it can can help the next generation coming through. Yeah, that's cool. And of course, we'll share all links to to the website and to the to the books um, on in the show notes. And uh, yeah, let us know when the fifty nine lessons come out. We'll obviously share that with our social media following. But uh, Fergus, uh, thank you so much, and uh, thank you for coming on at such short notice. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been great to talk to you and some some really good insightful points and some great advice. So uh, thank you, appreciate that. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. Cheers. So an awesome podcast there. Thank you, Fergus, for spending the time to talk to us. Um, some great insights and uh, yeah great to hear from someone who's been at such prodigious um, uh, clubs and teams and worked with some you know amazing coaches both you know S&C sports science and uh, and and sports coaches as well so thank you Fergus and all the best and guys check out his book Game Changer um, I, I know I definitely will be um, and of course in the meantime please subscribe to us on SoundCloud Stitcher tune in and of course iTunes and give us a five star review and please get any questions into us you'd like us to ask the guests or just ask of us um, you know this is here to help you so you know I would love to have some some questions from you guys to, to ask folks today I'm sure we've got some great great answers so please ping them over to us on social media Facebook Twitter even Instagram um, and if you want to get fit for rugby check out rugbyrenegade.com for loads of articles ebooks and of course our online subscription program until next time Thanks for listening to the Rugby Renegade Podcast. For more quality rugby strength and conditioning information, check us out at RugbyRenegade.com. Rugby Renegade, building machines.